All right, why don't you take your seats? All right, so, you know, I had this wonderful PowerPoint presentation for you, but all that has gone by the wayside with the, uh, with the dismantling of modern day technology. So I've, I've got to go old school on you today. I've got to, I'm going to go to the whiteboard, and um, I've not done that before. I'm not nervous about doing it. I've done it a lot, but I just want you to know as I approach the whiteboard, I'm not Picasso, man. So as I start drawing things out, you know, on the board, it might, it might not look good, but it'll get the point across. It'll make the point, all right? And I'm going to want you to follow me. Now, how many of you got a handout this morning that has a semicircle on it? If you don't have one, if you don't, if you don't have one, raise your hand, all right? Okay. Uh, Mike, could we make sure as I'm moving this board and uh, this, this podium, we make sure that everyone's got their hand up, can get a copy of that semicircle? I want to talk to him about that today. And uh, I'm going to move this. Ryan, I'm going to steal your, your podium here. I'm going to use it today. Hmm? If you can, Ron, I'm going to move that right to the middle over here. You know, I kind of like teaching from down here anyway. This is like more my, more my speed. Okay, so for all y'all who are over there, Levon said, get away. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I think I'll probably do it like this here because it's like old school. All right, can everybody see that board? Now I'm going to take my time today because this is an important subject. I want to talk to you today about another tool of discipleship that we have. Remember I told you that this, this whole um, this whole series is designed to give us tools that press us deeper into relationship with the Lord as followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Jesus. And, and these, these simple shapes can really help to put to words what God is doing in us and what God wants to do through us as we press into relationship with God and as we press into relationship with others and as we allow the overflow of those two aspects of relationship to press us out into the world around us, the lost and dying world that God has sent us to, which is what we are called to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? Okay, this is not the quiet crowd today. All right. So uh, I want you to talk up and participate with me today. Okay, so by way of review, I want to let you know this is the third week of our series, Shape Up, Tools for Discipleship. In the first week, we, we covered the gospel and we used the diamond to talk about the goodness of God and how the love of God flows out of his goodness and that God loved us so much that he gave his only son, sent his only son to die for us so that we would have a right to be reconciled to fellowship with him. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. So we talked about that in the first shape. And then once we embrace the gospel, we become followers of Jesus Christ. I discussed with you last week um, how to hear the voice of God for yourself, how to hear and respond to the voice of God. And we use the circle for that. We use the circle to determine how we can constantly and consistently hear and respond to the voice of God. We talked about time. We talked about the Greeks giving us two forms of time. 
The first is chronos, which is chronological time. It's the, it's the span of all human time, but more specifically to each of us. It's the span of our lives from the time we draw our first breath to the time we exhale our last and we leave this life and move on to the next life. That's chronos. I told you that Jesus in Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 14, says, he makes a statement, the time is fulfilled. The time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus, when he talked about time in that passage of scripture, wasn't talking about chronos. He was talking about kairos. Kairos is a moment in time. It's a moment in time where the kingdom of God invades our kingdom. The reality of God invades our reality and produces what's called a, a kairos moment where we clearly understand and know that God is speaking. Jesus says there's two things you need to do with that. You need to first repent, turn from what you're doing, and move towards, turn towards something greater, and then you have to believe the gospel, embrace the truth of who God is and who he wants to be to you. Right. So so that was that was the circle. I said in the circle that there are two questions as a result of the circle that every follower of Jesus Christ should always be asking. And that is, God, I know you're speaking. What are you saying to me? And then what do you want me to do about it? Right. So this week today, I want I want to show us how we can consistently have health and rhythm and balance in our lives as it relates to working and resting. I want to show you how we can get into a rhythm that will lead to rich, intimate relationship with God and others. And I'm going to do that by giving you another simple shape, the semicircle. The semicircle gives us permission to both be and do, but it also shows us the responsibility of both working and resting. It reminds us of the importance of presence. Teaches us and shows us ways to be fully present. It answers the question, how do I purposefully go about fully enjoying the presence of God and others? So, I'm going to go ahead and, and draw this semicircle up here since just you know what, and I'll say this, you know, sometimes I have a problem with, with the way I term, terminology on things, you know, sometimes like, you know, people say potato, patata, tomato, tomato, you know, some people say Galatians, other people say Galatians, some people say semicircle, some people say semicircle. So if I say semicircle, y'all just roll with me, okay? Y'all gonna roll with me? All right. Now, I told you I'm not Picasso, so I'm gonna go ahead and write out the semicircle. That wasn't too bad, was it? Mm-hmm. That's a good try, Vicky. I want to begin with the paradigm shift. I want to begin the message today with a paradigm shift. Here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to lock into what I'm saying. Because what I believe is, I believe what God had me say to you is very, very important. So I want you to lock on to what I'm saying, okay? 
I believe that God has designed us from the very beginning of time to work from our rest instead of resting from our work. To trust him to do the work that he wants to accomplish in us and through us as we learn to rest in him. If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Are you there? Drop down to verse 31. I'm reading out the ESV, so it might sound a little different in my version than what you read out of. Verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Say very good. good. It was very good. Good, and the evening, there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. There was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. Here's what I want you, I don't want you to miss. I I, I don't know why I never saw this before. But God QCs his work. And at the end of every day, God says, that was good. Right? And then at the end of every day, there's this, there's this phrase, and it was evening and it was morning on the first day. It was evening and it was morning on the second day. It was evening and it was morning on the third day, and so on and so on. I don't think it's an accident that it was written that way. Did you know that the Jewish day begins with evening? The Jewish day begins when the sun goes down. The Jewish day begins with rest. <laughs> so this statement in the evening, it was evening, it was morning, seems to imply that the work day for man should begin with rest. It also means that we should learn to use this principle, see what God is saying in this, so we can learn how to work out of our rest instead of resting from our work. Rest. You know, it requires trust to rest, doesn't it? It requires trust to rest in the presence of someone that you know even if you know them really well. It requires trust. Think about it. How many married people do you have in there? Okay. So check this out. So you sleep with your spouse. And when you are asleep, you are, the, you are at the most vulnerable point that you can be. That is complete trust, right? Because you have to wonder, you know, if you snore like I do, how many times your spouse wants to just knock you upside the head and knock you out, right? But they don't. Why? Because, because they love you and you trust in that love. And in that love, you find total rest. You see, God wants us to learn to trust him in that way. We serve a God 
that while we are sleeping, he is working. While we are resting to begin our day, he's hard at work. We serve a God that doesn't slumber nor sleep. That's what the scripture says, doesn't it? This is not my notes, but a little side journey. I think God has a problem in that way. Because he never sleeps, right? You ever have God wake you up at 2.30 in the morning? I mean, wide awake, and you know you got a busy day, right? You're like, God, are you really? Really? <laughs> right? But God never sleeps, even when we're resting in him, even when we're trusting in him, even when we're asleep, our God is busy and he's working. His workday begins even while we are asleep. So, in the evening and the morning was the sixth day. Now, here's what's important about the sixth day. The sixth day, the Bible says, God created man in the sixth day, right? Or on the sixth day, right? Now, let's pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were furnished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. There are three things I want you to draw out of this passage. Here's the first one. Again, I want you to note something. I want you to note that at the end of every day, in the evening and the morning was the first day. In the evening and the morning was the second day. So on and so forth. The first thing I want you to notice, on the seventh day when God is resting, there is no mention of the evening and the morning. So, so perhaps it's God saying, I want, to, I want you to take this Sabbath so seriously. I don't want you to just commit it to a day. I want you to commit it to a lifestyle. Hmm. Here's the second, second thing I want you to notice. Man's first encounter with God after he's created, God creates man. He says, oh, now that's very good. He creates man and woman. Oh, that's very good. The first Thing that man sees God doing is resting. Not working. Resting. So God creates man. He gives him, you know, what he's going, to, what he's supposed to do, a work to do, a woman to love, a world to serve. He gives him his assignment, but he doesn't put him to work yet. The first thing God says to man is, I want you to come be with me. I want you to come enjoy being with me. I want you to learn to rest in me. I want you to learn what an abiding relationship with me looks like. <laughs> mm. The third thing we see God doing in this passage is he creates Sabbath. And then in Exodus chapter 20, I believe somewhere around verse 9, and then again in Leviticus, I think it's chapter 23, somewhere around verse 
30, I could be wrong about that. The Lord tells us, God tells us, I want, you to, I want you to remember the Sabbath. I've shown you what Sabbath rest looks like. Now I want you to remember the Sabbath. Carve out a Sabbath for yourself, and I want you to keep it holy. Everybody say holy. Holy means set apart. It means unique. It means special. It means to be preserved. It means to pay attention to it. It means you're going to give this thing your full attention. Holy. I want you to remember the Sabbath, and I want you to keep it holy. Those are three things I want you to see in that passage of Scripture. And so when it comes to rest and work, I think the semicircle gives us a simple way to think about this concept. Why? Because it presents two opposite sides for us. You got your, you got your hand out ready? First, on the left side, it's about being. Being. Rest. Abiding. On the left side. On the left side, Jesus gives us an invitation to be with him, to find our rest and our refreshment in him. And then on the right side, it's about doing and work and fruit. The right side is a challenge to do the work of the kingdom. It's our challenge to glorify God by living fruit-bearing lives. Jesus tells us again and again in John 15, 5, he's, and he, it's, a, it's an agricultural metaphor. He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He says, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can't do anything. Hmm? And then he goes on and tells us in John 15 and 8, he says, the Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. So the left side of the semicircle is about being the work of God. The right side of the semicircle is about doing the work of God. From the beginning, God designed us to enjoy him fully in both being and doing, in both work and rest. And the being is where we find our identity with him. Being is knowing God as my father, knowing that I can, I can rest in the truth that he is trustworthy. The doing is a response to our relationship of trust. And so as a follower of Jesus Christ, the life of the follower must always be about being first before it's about doing. It should always be about relationship first before responsibility. You all with me so far? Okay. So now, in the semicircle, I want you to imagine a pendulum attached to the middle of the semicircle between two of the opposite sides. Okay. So the pendulum here swings with the force of gravity, right? It swings with the force of gravity. The force of gravity is what makes the pendulum work. I think it's a whole lot like a swing. 
So if you look at a pendulum, a pendulum swings to the left and then it swings back a commensurate side to the right, right? So if you look at a swing, right, you're looking at it from this way, a swing does the same thing. A swing swings to the left and it swings to the right, right? And it, it swings back a commensurate amount to the momentum that's being built. So, so for, for a swing or a pendulum to work properly, you have to first build momentum. And once the momentum is built, then the swinging motion becomes almost effortless and there's not a whole lot of energy that has to be expended. If I keep pushing to build momentum, e eventually I'm gonna settle into a nice, easy rhythm. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Nice, easy rhythm. And once I establish that nice, easy rhythm, there are three things that can happen, and it depends on my focus as to which one happens. Now first, let me tell you this. When I was coming up, you probably, some of you might have heard this before, but others of you haven't. When I was coming up on the playground, I was the king of swing. Now, I ain't talking about swing. I'm talking about like swing, swing. I'm talking about like the playground swing. I'm not talking about the little toddler, little, little bitty baby kitty swings. Right? I'm talking about the big metal bar swings with the big uh, chains that came down attached to the big red seat. The red seat, of course, meant caution, you know. <laughs> Wasn't like the black seat or the green seat, you know, where you can only swing a little bit. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about being able to, I'm talking about getting on that swing, that heavy-duty swing, and swinging. Everybody say swinging. Swing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like y'all couldn't help but do that. Y'all have been waiting for that, haven't you? Right, and so, and, so, and so as the king of swing, my focus was always, it wasn't always, I mean, sometimes it wasn't this way, but the majority of the time, it was always a competition for me, man. It was, you know, you had the bar, and you know how when you swing like this, and if you keep swinging, you swing high enough, you'll exceed the bar, right? And then when you exceed the bar, if you're focused too, man, I'm just yelling, I'm sorry, you guys, I just get excited, I just get so excited about this stuff, man. Okay, so, but if you exceed the bar, Right? What happens is, I don't know the physical term for it, the physics term for it, but, but, the, but the, the slack in the, in the chains causes you to drop and pop. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, shoo, whoop, pow. You know, you see what I'm saying? You, how many of y'all have done it? You know what I'm talking about, right? See, all of y'all want to try to see the bar. You ain't fooling nobody, right? So, so you're swinging, right? You're swinging. So if it depends on on the outcome of the experience, the outcome of the experience depends on your focus. It depends on your focus. If my focus is wrong while I'm pressing into to swinging, if, as I'm pressing in, if my focus is wrong, then it's just like instead of pressing into being, it's like pressing into doing. Instead of pressing into work, arrest is like pressing into work. So instead of moving this way, it's like I'm trying to move this way. And what happens is as I press the wrong way against my initial design, when I press into work, I don't get fruit from my work. Because pressing into more work leads to the drop and pop, man, which means it can lead to isolation. 
Okay, so he says, so how's, that, how's that right, Pastor? You ever worked real hard on your job? You know, you're trying to exceed, you're trying to excel, you're trying to meet that bar, and, you, and, and at the end of the day, what do you want to do? I don't want to hear nobody. I don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to be alone. Right? Pressing into work can lead to isolation. Isolation can lead to depression. I can't, no matter what I do, it's not good enough. No matter how much I make, I don't have enough. The more you press into work, the fruit of your pressing into work isn't, isn't rest. The fruit of pressing into work is isolation, depression, and even potentially breakdown. It cannot work the other way. It wasn't designed to work the other way. The second thing that can happen if my focus is wrong is I can just stop swinging altogether. I can, I can quit trying to press into an abiding relationship and let nature take its course, and my swing will begin to slow down. My momentum of my body relationship will begin to, to slow down, and eventually the world will pull me away from that abiding relationship, and I'll pump, come to the point where there's no swing at all, and the swing is dead. It's just sitting there, lifeless. The agenda of this world is to pull us out of an abiding relationship with the Lord. That's why we have to continue to press, to focus on being with him. So if I quit pressing into being in relationship, the gravitational pull of the world will draw me further from the intimacy that I was designed from the very beginning to enjoy. Here's the third thing. And it's the right focus. If my focus is right, <laughs> if my focus is right, I just get to enjoy swinging, man. You know, you, you, ever, you ever exert all that effort to press into that, you press into that swing, you just press into that swing, you're, you're, you're pressing, you just get to that point to where you're like, okay, and then you just relax. And you just enjoy the swing. Come on now, you guys know what I'm talking about. Just relax and enjoy the swing. And just a little bit of effort, you can enjoy the swing. And then you come back again. And then a little bit of effort, and you can enjoy the swing. You can just enjoy it. So you press into being, and it leads to doing. You press into being, and it leads to doing. And then you just enjoy the momentum of rest, and you work from your rest. You enjoy the momentum of resting in him and being with him, and you enjoy the work and the doing. And then you press into an abiding relationship, and you abide, and you come back, and there's fruit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to enjoy him fully in all that we do. But listen, enjoying him fully begins with a healthy relationship between work and rest. So what has God given us to, re to remind us how to press and enter into his rest? 
He's given us established rhythms. Even in creation, God gives us established rhythm. He gives us seasons for everything. I love, I love the changing of the seasons. You know, to me, fall is my favorite time of the year. The leaves are falling off the trees. They're turning, you know, different colors. The, the foliage is spectacular. The Pittsburgh Steelers won today. Oh, sorry about that. Kind of slipped out. That's one of the things of the fall. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just, I love, yeah, 49er fans. Sorry about that. But, but I love the fall, man. Because the fall is an indication that there's a change in the season. The summer stuff now, you have to open up the shed and start putting the summer stuff up and, and pull out the winter stuff, pull out the snow plow, start it up, make sure that it's running smooth. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's a change in the season. God gives us clear indications sometimes that there's a change in the season. And so how we enter into these different seasons of life will determine whether or not we're effective leading a well-balanced life between work and rest. Now, how can we establish rhythms within these seasons? Daily, weekly, monthly, even yearly rhythms. How can we do that? Because here's what I want you to know. No matter matter what season of life you're in, it's difficult to abide spiritually when you're not rested physically. How many of you know that? It's difficult. And it's also true that it's difficult to rest physically when you're anxious or emotional spiritually. So what has God given us at our disposal as disciples of Christ where we can press into rhythms that will will give us fruit from our relationship with him and and, and just being with him. Here's the first, sleep. Your daily rhythms can include a good night's sleep. James Bryan Smith in his book, The Good and Beautiful God, said the number one enemy against spiritual formation for us as followers of Jesus Christ is exhaustion. Exhaustion is just like drinking alcohol and and lowering your tolerance. When you are exhausted, you are capable of doing or not doing some things that you otherwise would do or not do. Did I say that right? You guys understand what I'm saying, right? You know, some of us get very mean when we get exhausted. Right? So sleep, prayer, carving out a consistent time of prayer each week. Daily rhythm. Eating meals together, enjoying covenant relationship with family and friends together. Daily rhythms. Playing together. Take time, taking time just to play, man. Just, just take time to play. Let me give you a couple of examples of, of weekly, weekly rhythms. A Sabbath. We talked about the importance of Sabbath. But a Sabbath, a day of nothing but praying and playing. Everybody say praying and playing. Hey, man, that's a Sabbath. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, my Sabbath is from I kind of cheat a little bit. My Sabbath is from Thursday evening when I get off work 
to Saturday morning. If you try to call me on Friday, unless it's an emergency, you're probably not going to get me. Because that's my day of rest, and that's my day to be with my baby. Eba, I just felt something just then. <laughs> mm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. It's... Okay, so you say, how do I do that, Pastor? Let me give you one simple thing you can do. Listen up, Nate. Listen to me, Nate. Cut your electronic devices off. It's it's pick on Nathan month, that's what it is. No, seriously. Okay, I mean, because think about this. God gave us a prime example. Do you know how dependent you are on your electronic device? I mean, listen, it was hard for us to sing songs we've sang a million times up here because we don't have the electronic device giving us, spoon-feeding us what our agenda is. Listen, man, I'm going to tell you how many times, just think about this, just think about this, I'm going to get off and I'm going to hit it and I'm going to quit. Everybody say, hit it and quit it, Pastor. I'm going to hit it and I'm going to quit it. Listen, listen, how many times has your phone rang and you take off trying to get this, let me go get this phone real quick. Like the phone can't wait for you. Like they can't leave a message for you. Come on now. We are tied to electronic devices. How can you rest if you're a slave to a device? Cut that thing off. Try it. Try cutting it off for 24 hours. See what God will do and what he will say to you. Melissa, you can come up if you would. Another example of weekly rhythm is what we enjoy here, corporate worship, enjoying the presence of God in the presence of each other. Community service, meeting the needs of others. Examples of yearly rhythms might be for you extending your Sabbath an extra day or planning a vacation or two to just get away. There are two questions that a disciple of Jesus must always be asking ourselves. So in these next few moments, I want you to ask these questions to you. And I'm going to follow up with some questions. I'm going to leave you with these questions as we close. God, I know you're speaking to me about working and resting and finding a balance in that. You've used the semicircle to show me what that could possibly look like. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? To me. And then what do you want me to do about it? I'm going to give you something very practical to do as we close today. I want you to take two days out of this work week, just two. Almost every one of us have a lunch. We should. And during this time, I want you to observe and reflect and maybe even let it lead you to a point of discussion with somebody that you trust that's working the the right side of the circle. I I want you to let this time cause you to pray about and think about these things. Do I make enough space in my life for daily prayer? Do I pursue intimacy in just being with my Savior? Am I resting enough? Am I sleeping 
and eating well? And then finally, do I view time, the time that I've been given, both chronos and kairos, as a blessing or a curse? I want to close with this passage of scripture. Now, I'm going to read it out of the out of the Message Bible. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this passage. And for those of you who are writing things down, this will be this top portion right here. The passage is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's balance in work and rest. That's pressing into being in relationship and letting the doing flow out of the being. Did you get something out of that today? Why don't you stand to your feet? I believe someone else, uh, one of the elders was going to close, but I'm, I'm going to close today because I'm already way over time. Thank you for your patience today. Um, listen, you might be here and it might be your first time. Maybe the word of the Lord hit you like between the eyes like it did me several times this week. And maybe the Lord has brought you to a point of decision where maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a sinner. I mean, I, we're all sinners saved by the grace of God, but I'm not practicing sin. I don't have really significant sin issues in my life, but man, there is this one thing that God is saying is out of balance in my life. It's take me out of that rhythm, that sweet spot. And I just want someone to pray with me today. If you're on the prayer team, if you're one of the elders, I want you to try to find a spot in the auditorium here over the next few minutes. And as we close the service, I want to give everyone who wants an opportunity to have someone meet them in prayer. To go and find someone and pray with them today. And I'll say this in closing. Don't hedge a gut check. Don't think, well, I'll just do it tomorrow or I'll be okay. If the Lord is speaking to you right now, do it right now as we close. Father, thank you for the awesome privilege that we have to just be together, just being together and being with you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for how you've spoken to us today. I pray that as the rest of this week unfolds, that each one of us today will find a healthy balance between work and rest, between being and doing, between abiding and then allowing you to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.